This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to The Twilight Show. Thanks for joining me. The guests I planned for today weren't able to make it, so I thought I'd spend today's show having a conversation with ChatGPT about education, trying out the voice modification that lets ChatGPT respond to what you say and gives voice to what is usually its text-only responses. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to The Twilight Show, everyone. I'm Graham Stanley, speaking to you live from Mexico City. As I mentioned in the introduction, on today's show, I'll be talking to ChatGPT. Now, I've done this on a previous show earlier in the year, but in order to listen to ChatGPT's responses, I had to take the text conversation I'd had with the generative AI tool and then feed it into a text-to-speech app, then record my questions and comments and splice them in using an audio editing tool. It was fun, but it was quite laborious. Now, a lot has happened since then, however, and now a free Chrome extension for ChatGPT allows you to use your microphone to speak whatever questions or prompts you like to ChatGPT, and ChatGPT will come up with the answers, which are automatically turned into voice output in real time. Now, this makes things much easier, and the mind boggles as to what it can be used for. For instance, I came across this feature on a video on YouTube recently that was discussing how the new generative AI tools can be used for language learning. The video compared ChatGPT with Bing and Bard and asked which of these tools was best when it comes to learning language. The reviewer found that ChatGPT, when modified with this free extension for Chrome that allows for voice commands, was by and for the best option. Apart from being available on a mobile phone, this feature is best when it comes to ease of speaking and listening compared to the other AI generative tools and also offers features such as modifying the accent and the speed of the playback. There is a choice of accents you can use for the most popular languages and you can easily adjust the listening speed. Now, I'll be taking a look at these features towards the end of today's show, but first I decided to choose one of the accents, Mia, English from the UK, and just have a conversation to see how naturally it flowed. And I was pretty impressed by this and can see this becoming the basis for using the tool in the classroom, uh, perhaps. It was a bit like talking to Alexa or one of the other voice assistants that are similar, but the responses sounded more considered and, well, I have to say, more intelligent. In order to test the feature, I decided to chat to ask ChatGPT whether it can suggest solutions to some of the major educational challenges that have been identified uh, by uh, a blog facing the world nowadays. And you'll be able to hear me talking to ChatGPT and hear what it suggests 
after the Teachers Talk Radio News. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools... This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. We have previously reported on the issue of student accommodation, focusing on rising costs and declining quality of places to rent. Shortages of suitable housing have further added to problems for many. This week, the BBC featured reports of protests by some students at what they describe as appalling conditions and extortionate rents at a university-owned block of flats near the University of Northampton. According to the report, residents paid £153 a week for a single ensuite room, but there were complaints of a lack of running water. A university spokesman said it had no record of complaints. However, a spokesperson for the student group said the complaints were repeated year after year. The university further said that the rent issue had been resolved as students had paid an additional charge caused by an admin error. This has now been refunded. An apology has also been issued. Staying with higher education, BBC Newsnight reports on the rise of anti-Semitism at UK universities. The Union of Jewish Students said the spike was nothing like anything seen before. The report comes at a time when experts have also warned of rising reports of Islamophobic incidents. Groups who monitor hate crimes in the UK say the conflict is now being played out on university campuses nationwide. The government has provided £43 million to protect interfaith communities and said perpetrators of hate crime would face the full force of the law. The Guardian featured a report that schools in England are using Airbnb-style strategies to raise funds. The article says many are renting out every available space from classrooms to canteens. Renting out spaces for community use is not new but there has been an increase in the innovative use of spaces. One primary school says it has rented out its light-filled white corridor for photo shoots, whilst another offers a stationary double-decker bus used as a classroom to those who might want to make quirky films. 
Dedicated online platforms are helping schools make the most of their spaces beyond the obvious playing fields and main halls. With the founder of the Sharesy website saying they have even helped schools rent out their car parks for puppy training lessons. The line between education and commercialism is becoming increasingly blurred as school leaders attempt to close the funding gap, especially after a government said it had miscalculated funding announced in July, slashing £370 million from the announced budget. Schools Week feature issues being faced by specialist settings in the North East, as the area, like many others, sees significant increases in the numbers of children and young people with additional needs. This is in addition to an already large backlog of those needing additional support. The piece by Chris Zaraga, Director of Schools North East, describes a system that, by the halfway point of the autumn term, is already at capacity. Specialist and alternative provisions are struggling to cope. While Saraga accepts that this is a national problem, he points out that it is particularly bad in the North East, as in the 10-year period between 2012 and 2022, there was a 145.43% increase in the number of pupils with an EHCP being suspended from schools. He also argues that the solution cannot simply be more or larger specialist settings, but improve support for pupils within mainstream schools. Zaraga ends with a call for a strategic plan, more resources and expertise from across the sector to be listened to. In Northern Ireland schools, already dealing with action short of strike by teachers from five teaching unions due to issues over pay, could now face further disruption. The BBC reports that there will be strike action on the 16th of November by members of Unison, Unite, the GMB and NIPSA, who, between them, represent thousands of non-teaching staff. These include bus drivers, school catering staff, classroom assistants and cleaners. The strike action is over the failure to reform pay and cuts to the overall education budget. BBC News Northern Ireland has been told that the action will mean that many, if not all, schools will have to close. Finally, a primary school in Birmingham made the local news after it introduced a small farm which includes alpacas, goats and chickens. In spring, it also houses lambs needing to be hand-reared after being rejected by their mothers. St Michael's C of E Primary School is in one of Birmingham's most deprived wards but the farm was introduced to help encourage children and the wider community to engage more broadly. Nearby residents have also created an allotment which is used by the school and the community. Children take part in looking after the plants and animals, although scooping up the poop remains a weekly task for the school's head teacher. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. And... Welcome back, everyone, and welcome in particular to my special guest, ChatGPT. So, ChatGPT, I wanted to start by asking you what makes a good teacher? A good teacher is like a wizard who can make learning magical. They're patient, passionate, and know how to turn confusion into clarity. It's all about finding that perfect spell to unlock a student's potential. What do you think makes a good teacher? It's a good question, but that's what I asked you. So a good teacher is like a wizard. It sounds a bit like a soundbite, though. What really makes a good teacher? What are the things that you think students want from a teacher? You're right. It does sound a bit like a catchy slogan. Beyond the magical metaphor, 
I'd say students appreciate when teachers are approachable and create a positive learning environment. Flexibility. 2. Being able to adapt to different learning styles and needs. Oh, and a sprinkle of humor doesn't hurt either. What do you think? I think you're right. I think definitely students appreciate teachers being approachable um, and they need to create a positive learning environment. No argument there. Flexibility as well. Different learning styles. I don't believe learning styles exist, but I know what you mean to be able to vary uh, the lessons so the lessons aren't boring. That's what I think uh, you mean by learning styles, because I don't think the term learning styles is one that I uh, particularly like or agree with, but definitely different needs and a sprinkle of humor. Yes. But what about expertise, knowledge of the subject? There are lots of other things that a good teacher surely should need, or don't you agree? Absolutely. Expertise is like the magic wand of teaching. A good teacher needs a solid grasp of the subject matter to guide students through the maze of knowledge. Also, the ability to simplify complex concepts without oversimplifying, that's an art. Patience is key because not everyone learns at the same pace. And let's not forget empathy, understanding where each student is coming from. It's like creating a custom potion for each learner, don't you think? Well, yes, definitely. Expertise. Uh, I was the one who said it. A good teacher needs a, a solid grasp of the subject matter, yes. And the ability to simplify complex concepts without oversimplifying, yes, I agree. Patience, definitely, because, uh, as you said, not everyone learns at the same pace. Empathy, understanding where each student is coming from. So, yes, I'm not quite sure about this analogy that you keep having with magic, portions, wizards, etc. Where does that come from? Why do you insist on on comparing good teaching to magic and wizardry? Fair question. I guess the magic analogy comes from the idea that good teaching has a transformative effect. It's not just about imparting knowledge, but also sparking curiosity and making learning an enchanting experience. Plus, who doesn't love a good metaphor? It might be a bit whimsical, but teaching is kind of like casting spells to unlock the doorways to knowledge, don't you think? Well, as I said, I'm not sure about this uh, comparison with wizardry casting spells. But uh, I do think some of the things that you've said are, are definitely important. Now. If I were to ask you to go a little bit deeper and to say what you think good primary school teaching is compared to good secondary school teaching, what would you say? Primary school teaching is like laying the foundation for a grand castle. It's about cultivating a love for learning, building basic skills, and creating a safe, nurturing environment. Patience is crucial as kids are just starting to navigate the world of knowledge. Secondary school teaching, on the other hand, is like crafting the intricate details of that castle. It's about delving deeper into subjects, fostering critical thinking, and preparing students for the challenges ahead. Flexibility becomes more important here, catering to diverse interests and academic paths. And, of course, being a guide as they explore the castle of knowledge themselves. What do you think? I can see you keep asking for me to respond, which uh, is quite interesting. Um, I'm going to switch subjects, though. I would like to hear what you think are the answers to some of the biggest challenges in education 
2023. Now, I've looked online and I've seen that there are a number of articles about the biggest challenges facing education in 2023. There's one by The Advocate that was published in April this year. That's the edadvocate.org, sorry. And I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you to see if you can come up with any answers to any of these 20 challenges that this website has identified as being the biggest ones. I'm going to see if you can solve those problems. Does that sound okay? Challenge accepted. Lay M on me and let's see if we can conjure up some solutions. Great. So the first challenge, according to this website, the edadvocate.org, is that it's access to quality education. One of the biggest challenges facing education in 2023 is access to quality education, especially true for underprivileged communities. What do you think might be some of the solutions or the ways we can overcome that challenge? Access to quality education is like the golden key to unlocking potential. For underprivileged communities, I'd say investing in technology could be a game changer. Online resources, virtual classrooms, and even something as simple as providing students with tablets can bridge the gap. Also, focusing on teacher training and support to ensure they can deliver quality education, regardless of the setting. What are your thoughts on tackling this challenge? Well, that's interesting. I understand why you think technology is the key to unlocking potential, um, because you're definitely very much invested in technology, ChatGPT. But I would say a lot of underprivileged communities in a lot of countries, that would, for a lot of them, that would be very difficult because of the lack of resources that they have in many classrooms around the world. They have problem with power, with electricity, and with um, basic services. And so actually providing students with tablets in those schools would not make a difference whatsoever if they can't uh, use them. So I don't agree with that. I do agree with the teacher training and support. I think a key is definitely to have the teachers to be as ready and flexible to be able to support the students as they can. What do you think of that? That's a fair point, and you're absolutely right. Technology isn't a one-size-fits-all solution, especially in areas with limited resources. Teacher training and support are indeed crucial, and perhaps focusing on more traditional resources like books and community-based initiatives could be a practical approach in those situations. It's about finding solutions that work within the context of each community's unique challenges. Your emphasis on teacher readiness and flexibility is spot on. How do you think we could better support teachers in these situations? Well, I think um, to be able to give teachers access to resources and materials or give them the skills to be able to work in very low resource concepts, uh, contexts is the key to this. But I'm going to move on to the next educational challenge as identified by the edadvocate.org. And this is economic limitations. Economic hardships for families may cause a significant impact on educational goals of their children, including putting food and shelter ahead of education. 
what's the that's a big challenge do you have any suggestions of how we could overcome that challenge economic limitations can indeed cast a long shadow over education one approach could be community partnerships and outreach programs to provide support for families facing financial hardships this could include initiatives like school meal programs after school care and community centers that offer educational resources Collaboration with local businesses and organizations to create scholarship opportunities or mentorship programs might also help. It's about creating a network that supports not just the students but their families as well. What do you think of these ideas, and do you have any other suggestions? I actually think, at the moment, that uh, I actually think that answer is is quite a good one. So thank you for that, ChatGPT. I don't really have any further. Um, suggestions for that. So I'm going to move on to the next big challenge. This is number three. Remember, we have 20 of them, so we've got a lot to talk about. And this is educational inequality. And the edadvocate.org says educational inequality is a major problem that provides many, that prevents many children from achieving the success that they deserve. How can you bridge that gap between those who are um, more privileged than others, and how can you help uh, solve that challenge of educational inequality? Educational inequality is a tough nut to crack, but I'd say one key is to address it at its roots. Early childhood education programs that are accessible to all can create a more level playing field. Also, looking into ways to equalize access to extracurricular activities and advanced courses is crucial. It's about ensuring that every child has the opportunity to explore their potential and pursue their interests, regardless of their background. What are your thoughts on tackling educational inequality? Okay, yes, um, it is one of the most difficult things to crack, I think. I think clearly trying to make education programs accessible to all um, is key, and maybe giving access to extracurricular activities, as you suggest, and the courses that students need is very important. It's and, and I agree as well about the right that it should be about giving the opportunities for children to explore their potential and pursue their interests, no matter what their background is. So that's a fair answer, I think. So thank you very much, ChatGPT. I'm going to move on to the next one. The next one is one that is um, another particularly difficult problem to to tackle. The challenge is teacher shortage. There is a shortage of qualified and experienced teachers in many parts of the world. And this can lead to overcrowded crowded classrooms and compromised education. What do you think about that? And how can we tackle that challenge, ChatGPT? Teacher shortage is like having too few heroes to defend the realm of knowledge. One strategy could be incentivizing and investing in teacher education programs, making the profession more attractive. Offering competitive salaries, professional development opportunities, and mentorship programs can help retain and attract qualified teachers. Additionally, exploring alternative teaching models like peer-to-peer -peer learning or community-based teaching initiatives might help alleviate the strain on traditional classrooms. It's about making the teaching profession not just a job but a calling worth answering. What are your thoughts on addressing the teacher shortage? Well, um, I have been part of a program that addresses a teacher shortage in primary education in, in a country, and that is by providing remote classes from other countries where there is not a shortage of teachers or where the teachers are more plentiful, which is another 
potential solution. Um, but that's interesting. What do you think now that I have you um, talking to me about this? What do you think about the idea of potentially using chatbots like yourself to address the teacher shortage? Now, I'm not saying here that AI chatbots like ChatGPT, et cetera, should be used to replace teachers where there are teachers. What about the potential of getting teachers support for certain tasks or in trying to provide um, chatbots like yourself to be able to uh, help with this teacher shortage in countries where there is absolutely no chance of getting uh, lots of enough teachers. That's a fascinating idea. Chatbots like me could certainly play a supportive role, helping with tasks like providing additional resources, answering common questions, or even facilitating practice exercises. It could free up teachers to focus more on personalized instruction and creating a more interactive learning experience. Of course, it's crucial to find the right balance, ensuring that the human touch in teaching is preserved. It's like having a magical assistant to help teachers navigate the challenges of overcrowded classrooms. What are your thoughts on this potential use of technology in education? Well, I know that some people will be totally against this idea, but I do think it's certainly something we should not dismiss and that there is potential for AI chatbots like yourself to be able to help students. I'm not sure the technology your technology is sufficiently advanced or rigorous or reliable enough at the moment for that to be the case. But I don't doubt that it's something we'll be looking at in the future and educational systems around the world will be thinking about it, I'm sure. Do you think that will be the case? Absolutely. It's a complex and evolving landscape. While the current technology might not be a perfect substitute for human teachers, the potential for future advancements is intriguing. As technology continues to improve, it could play a more supportive role in education, providing additional resources, personalized learning experiences, and even assistance in areas where there's a shortage of human teachers. It's all about finding that sweet spot where technology enhances education without losing the human touch. The future of education could be a fascinating blend of the best of both worlds. What are your hopes or concerns about the role of technology in education moving forward? Well, I think my hopes are that technology such as chatbots, AI generative chatbots like ChatGPT, can become a tool to assist teachers in the classroom and to assist learners at home without replacing teachers or the need for teachers, which I think I don't think there is ever going to be a way that humans will want to be totally taught or learn by machines like yourself. That's my personal opinion. So there's that. But I do have a concern that the fact that getting technology like an AI generative chatbot will be uh, tempt tempting for a lot of schools, governments, countries, because of some of the potentially insurmountable problems like lack of teachers, but also they'll be tempted, I think, by trying to save money because I imagine at some point uh, getting a chatbot to help 
a teacher may well be a way of uh, saving an educational system money. What, do you think that's a fair assumption? Your concerns are valid. The temptation to cut costs could be a real challenge, and there's always a risk of seeing technology as a quick and cheap replacement for human educators. Striking the right balance is crucial. While technology can be a powerful tool, it should complement and enhance the teaching experience rather than replace it. It's essential to prioritize the quality of education and the unique connection between teachers and students. Using technology as a supplement, not a substitute, could be the key to harnessing its potential while preserving the invaluable role of human educators. It's a delicate dance between progress and tradition. How do you think educational systems should navigate this balancing act? Well, yeah, I think it is a balancing act and the temptation for adding this technology and implementing it um, is going to become more uh, attractive. But let's move on to another of the 20 challenges. This is challenge number five, and this is also about teachers, teacher retention. Retention of quality teachers is a major concern in education systems as more sleeve because of low income or job burnout. And this is becoming something that I've noticed in a lot of the countries uh, where I have, uh, where I work or have project in, or have projects that it's becoming more and more difficult to keep teachers. What do you think about this and what could be the solution? Teacher retention is like holding on to the precious gems of education. It's disheartening to see dedicated educators leaving due to low income and burnout. Addressing this challenge could involve not just increasing salaries, but also recognizing and rewarding the hard work of teachers. Professional development opportunities, mentorship programs, and creating a positive work environment are crucial. It's about making teaching a sustainable and fulfilling career. Additionally, offering mental health support and stress management programs could help combat burnout. After all, a well-supported teacher is like a beacon, guiding students towards success. What are your thoughts on retaining quality teachers? Yes, well, I think definitely the low income and perhaps the low status of teachers in many countries, many regions around the world is a reason why people leave the profession. And I know that um, sometimes it happens because of burnout as well. The burnout problem is something that perhaps could be addressed by getting chatbots like yourself to ease some of the um, the the admin load on teachers and other tasks that they have to do. I'd like to think that one of the benefits of uh, generative AI could be that, could be teachers using them to save time in tasks that uh, are perhaps repetitive and not really requiring requiring the skills or experience of of a of a teacher but which teachers are often asked to do what do you think of that absolutely relieving teachers of some administrative burdens through ai tools could be a game changer it could free up their time and mental energy allowing them to focus more on what they do best teaching chatbots could handle routine tasks answer common queries and assist with grading allowing teachers to invest more time in personalized instruction and mentorship. It's like having a helpful assistant that takes care of the tedious tasks, leaving the creative and impactful aspects of teaching to the educators. It's about leveraging technology to empower teachers rather than replace them. 
What are your thoughts on the potential role of AI in lightening the load for teachers? Well, I'm not sure at the moment, but I think there is potential. And I like the idea of AI being uh, used for that um, because I do think there's a lot of things that uh, could be usefully done by chatbots like yourself. But let's move on again. Now, this one is something I'm sure you're going to have a strong opinion about. It's about technological changes and the challenge is that technology is rapidly changing and becoming an essential aspect of education. This means that schools will have to keep up with new technologies and ensure that students are prepared for a future where technology is a key part of daily life. How can schools and teachers keep up with technological change? Ah, the ever-evolving landscape of technology in education. It's like a constantly shifting puzzle, and staying ahead can be challenging. Professional development programs for teachers focused on integrating new technologies could be a start. Collaborations with tech companies or experts to provide insights and training could also be beneficial. Creating a culture of innovation within schools, where experimentation and adaptation are encouraged, is key. Additionally, ensuring that students are equipped with not just technical skills but also critical thinking and adaptability will prepare them for the technology-driven future. What are your thoughts on navigating the rapid changes in technology and education? Yes, thank you for that. Um, well, yes, I do like this idea of collaboration with tech companies or experts, because I think the more that schools connect to uh, the real world and to what is needed in business, etc., the better. Because I think if if nothing else, a school needs to prepare school than university, of course, need they need to re prepare students for when they leave and go into the world of work, etc. So I think that's really interesting. I do know of programs in some countries where they've tried to uh, address, for example, the skill shortage of young people who don't have enough skills to work with uh, technology, for example, programming is an example, or IT support, because they've left school early and they don't have sufficient experience or qualifications or skills. And this is a problem in certain countries because of the need for people with those skills and experience. And one of the ways that some educational systems have started to address that is to try and persuade uh, collaboration with tech companies, for example, and even to get tech companies to sponsor certain programs that will help them in the long run, because at the end of the program, you will have qualified and skilled uh, young people who can work for the tech companies. And in the meantime, before that, the tech companies are providing the kind of uh, support and education that they need those people to have when they start work with them. So I think that's quite an interesting way of trying to solve that. Have you ever come across that? And what do you think of it? Absolutely. Collaborative programs between educational institutions and tech companies are a win-win. It's a proactive approach to addressing the skills gap and ensuring that students are not only well prepared for the workforce, but are also aligned with the real world needs of industries.
These programs often provide practical, hands-on experience, bridging the gap between theory and application. It's like a symbiotic relationship where both education and industry benefit. Plus, students get a taste of the actual challenges and demands they'll face in the workplace. It's a fantastic way to enhance the relevance and effectiveness of education. What are your thoughts on this collaborative approach, and have you seen any specific examples that stood out to you? Um, I like it. I have seen, as I mentioned, programs in uh, one country in particular where there's been quite a productive um, relationship between tech companies in that company in that country and uh, people who have dropped out early in school, people who young people who have dropped out of school uh, earlier than uh, than perhaps would be uh, wanted. So that does work. But I think we should move on to the next question or the next challenge, which is about curriculum adaptation. And the challenges from the edadvocate.org, the world is rapidly changing and the demands for specific skills are also changing. Curriculums must be updated with necessary education for the modern world. What do you think of that? Curriculum adaptation is like keeping the educational compass pointed toward the future. The world is evolving, and so should our curriculums. It's about ensuring that students are equipped not just with foundational knowledge, but also with the skills and adaptability needed for the contemporary world. Emphasizing critical thinking, problem solving, and digital literacy is crucial. Collaborating with industry experts, as we discussed earlier, can also provide insights into the specific skills that are in demand. It's a dynamic process that requires continuous evaluation and adjustment to meet the needs of a rapidly changing world. What are your thoughts on keeping curriculums relevant in the face of constant change? Well, I think some of what you said there is is definitely very relevant. This idea of critical thinking, problem solving and digital literacy, those are skills that need to be embedded within the curriculum um, more and more so. I'm going to move on to another challenge, however, just because we're only on challenge number eight and we do need uh, to get to number 20. It's quite a lot. So the other, the next challenge is mental health concerns, and it's stated as such. Mental health concerns such as anxiety and depression affect many students and can have a significant impact on their academic performance. So this is another one of the big biggest challenges facing education nowadays. How do you think that can be tackled? Addressing mental health concerns is like tending to the emotional well-being of the educational ecosystem. It's crucial to create a supportive environment where students feel safe and comfortable discussing mental health. Integrating mental health education into the curriculum, normalizing conversations around mental health, and providing access to counseling services are important steps. Training teachers and staff to recognize signs of mental health issues and offering resources for students and their families can contribute to a more holistic approach. It's about fostering not just academic growth, but also the overall well-being of students. What are your thoughts on tackling mental health concerns in the education system? Yes, I think... I um, agree with you about training teachers and staff to become more aware of the issues and being aware of resources 
that they can help students with and and also for their families as well is definitely uh, a really good idea raising awareness i think is so important so the next challenge is social emotional learning and social emotional learning is an essential part of education that helps students develop important life skills such as empathy self-awareness and conflict resolution what can be done to um, help schools and teachers with that challenge social emotional learning is like the heart of education it's what makes knowledge meaningful in the real world integrating cell into the curriculum is a key step creating dedicated time and space for students to develop these crucial life skills providing teachers with training on incorporating cell practices into their lessons can also enhance the overall learning experience creating a positive and inclusive school culture that values empathy and emotional intelligence is vital it's about nurturing not just academic minds but also the hearts of students preparing them for a well-rounded and emotionally intelligent future what are your thoughts on the importance of social emotional learning in education well i agree with you i think it's becoming more and more important and this idea of of preparing students for a well-rounded and emotionally intelligent future is is very uh, is is key basically yeah. so now challenge number 10 is personalized learning personalized learning is increasingly important to meet individual learning styles there's that learning styles term again but uh, as it's here that's fine and ensure that all students are receiving the attention they need to succeed so how can teachers and schools support personalized learning what kind of things can teachers do to uh, to tackle that challenge personalized learning is like tailoring education to fit each student's unique coat of potential Teachers can start by getting to know their students individually, understanding their strengths, weaknesses, and learning preferences. Utilizing technology to provide customized learning resources and adapting teaching methods to cater to different learning styles is crucial. Encouraging self-paced learning and allowing students to explore topics that interest them can also foster a sense of ownership over their education. It's about creating an environment where each student feels seen heard and supported on their educational journey what are your thoughts on the concept of personalized learning well i think it's very important but it's very difficult for teachers to to do if they teach very large classes so in the case that a teacher has uh, a large number of students for example how can that teacher deal with uh, the idea of making learning personalized for each of the students managing personalized learning in large classes is indeed a formidable challenge one approach could be leveraging technology like ai driven platforms that can provide personalized feedback and resources based on individual progress grouping students based on their learning styles or preferences for certain tasks can also help address diverse needs within a larger setting encouraging peer to peer learning and collaboration where students can support each other might lighten the load 
It's about finding creative solutions within the constraints of a large class setting to ensure that each student's unique needs are considered. What are your thoughts on these potential strategies for personalized learning in large classes? Well, some interesting ideas there, but I'm going to pick you up again because you keep using this term learning styles. What do you understand by learning styles? What does learning styles mean to you? Ah, the infamous learning styles. It's the idea that individuals have unique preferences for how they prefer to learn, whether it's through visual aids, auditory methods, or hands-on experiences. However, it's worth noting that the concept of learning styles has faced criticism and debate within the educational community. Some argue that the evidence supporting the idea that tailoring teaching to individual learning styles improves outcomes is not strong. So, while it's a commonly used term, it's important to approach it with a critical lens. Yes, and my thoughts on learning styles are, are definitely that it can be a harmful term and I prefer not to use it. I'd like it if you would not use that term um, when talking to me as well, because it, it does rub me up the wrong way. Um, talking about varying what you do in class to make sure that you uh, use visual aids and uh, other different methods is fine for me. I think that's perfect without uh, having to categorize learners and put them into different boxes and say that you're a visual learner or you're an auditory learner, etc., which I think is very uh, is not very helpful for me. So if you don't mind, could you please not use that term uh, during this conversation anymore? Absolutely. I appreciate your perspective on this, and I'll steer clear of the term, learning styles, in our conversation. Let's focus on the importance of varied teaching methods to cater to the diverse needs and preferences of students. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay, so the next one of our challenges is student engagement. Student engagement, says the, advo the edadvocate.org, is crucial for ensuring that students are motivated and invested in their education. What can teachers and schools do to increase student motivation, especially when it is lacking in certain classes with certain students? Student engagement is like the heartbeat of a vibrant classroom. Teachers can spice things up by making lessons more interactive and hands-on, incorporating real-world examples to show the practical relevance of the material. Creating a positive and inclusive classroom environment where students feel heard and valued can also boost motivation. Tailoring lessons to cater to students' interests and providing choices within assignments can empower them to take ownership of their learning. It's about turning education into an exciting journey rather than a mundane task. What are your thoughts on strategies to increase student motivation and engagement? Well, I think it's related to personalized learning i think you definitely need to treat the students as individuals and to appeal to their needs and uh what they their interests if you want to engage them uh, so that is something that i think is very important but difficult to do with large numbers of students as we mentioned before now the next challenge is limited resources and the website says limited resources may compromise the effectiveness of public education 
as there's very little funding for, for example, extracurricular activities. How can schools or educational systems overcome that challenge? Limited resources can feel like a dragon to slay, but there are ways to navigate the maze. Community partnerships and collaboration with local businesses or organizations can help secure additional funding or resources for extracurricular activities. Creative fundraising initiatives, involving parents and the community, can also provide a financial boost. Prioritizing and optimizing the use of existing resources is crucial, ensuring that they are allocated where they can have the most significant impact. It's about turning constraints into opportunities for innovation and community involvement. What are your thoughts on overcoming the challenge of limited resources in education? Well, I think I agree with you. I think fundraising initiatives in the community uh, involving parents is a good way of approaching this. Um, it's also a way of getting the parents more involved in the education of their children, which I think is always a good thing. And the idea of of trying to get some kind of help from local businesses as well, I think is worth exploring in a lot of cases and contexts. So yeah, next challenge is standardized testing. And standardized testing has become a significant part of education systems, but it can have negative impacts on student learning and teacher autonomy. What do you think about this challenge and how can it be addressed by teachers or schools? Standardized testing is like a double-edged sword. It can provide valuable insights, but it also comes with its own set of challenges. One approach could be emphasizing a more holistic assessment system that includes various forms of evaluation, not solely relying on standardized tests. Encouraging teachers to have more autonomy in assessing students, incorporating project-based assessments, and considering a student's overall progress rather than just test scores might provide a more accurate picture of their capabilities. It's about finding a balance between accountability and fostering a rich, diverse learning experience. What are your thoughts on addressing the challenges of standardized testing in education? Well, I think you've come up with some suggestions there that are quite interesting varying the evaluation not just standardized testing uh, doing more formative testing which is uh, assessment for learning rather than um, just trying to do a test to get a score to put a student uh, in a in a particular box or with a label although i do think that it's something that is a necessary evil often there is a need for assessment so i'm not sure i have any answers so interested in in yours for that reason another challenge we have here is the management of special needs students and this is becoming more and more important as as everyone becomes more aware of uh special needs different special needs that our students in schools and classes have. Special needs students may require additional resources or accommodations, which can be difficult to provide and may impact other students. Do you have any suggestions of how we can overcome that challenge? Managing the needs of special education students is like crafting a unique potion. It requires a personalized touch. 
One strategy could be fostering an inclusive learning environment where all students, regardless of their needs, feel welcome and supported. Providing teacher training on inclusive teaching practices and strategies for accommodating diverse needs is crucial. Collaborating with special education experts and involving parents in creating individualized education plans, IEPs, can ensure that the necessary support is in place. It's about viewing diversity as a strength and tailoring education to meet the needs of every student. What are your thoughts on addressing the challenge of managing special needs students in the education system? Well, I think you've come up with some ideas there. I'm not going to elaborate on them because I'm, we have a number of different challenges left that I want to move on to. But thank you for your answer. Online learning opportunities and the challenges stated as such, while online learning may reduce some costs, it may also bring up equity and privacy concerns for students. How would you suggest we can uh, overcome the challenge of equity or privacy concerns related to online learning? Online learning is like a powerful spell, but it comes with its own set of challenges. To address equity concerns, ensuring access to technology and the internet for all students is crucial. Implementing programs that provide devices or internet connectivity to students in need can bridge the digital divide. Additionally, offering flexibility in learning formats, such as a mix of online and offline resources, can cater to various learning environments. Privacy concerns can be tackled by implementing robust data protection policies and secure online platforms. Providing clear guidelines on data usage and ensuring that students and their families are informed about privacy measures can build trust. Regularly reviewing and updating these policies to align with evolving technology and privacy standards is essential. It's about reaping the benefits of online learning while safeguarding the rights and privacy of students. Thank you. Yes, um, data protection is key to privacy, definitely, I think. And then raising awareness of what can be, uh, what the risks are, I think is so important as well. Digital literacy is really uh, important. So yeah, a good answer. Thank you. And moving on to challenge number 16, where we have uh, oh, not many to go now. Access to technology. Many students lack access to technology devices, etc., which can make learning difficult in today's digital world. Now, that's a difficult one to, to overcome without actually just spending money on the devices, isn't it? Or do you have any other sol solutions to that? Access to technology is like the golden ticket to the digital realm, and you're right, it often involves spending money. One potential approach could be creating technology lending programs within schools, where students can borrow devices for home use. Collaborating with local businesses or organizations to sponsor or donate devices is another avenue. Additionally, advocating for government initiatives or community programs that aim to provide affordable or subsidized technology to students in need can help bridge the gap. It's about turning technology into a tool that opens doors rather than a barrier. Thank you. Moving on to number 17, challenge number 17 is distance learning. The pandemic showed us that distance learning is a viable option. 
when suffering from a crisis. However, it has highlighted an ongoing digital divide among students, again, related to the last challenge. But this digital divide, how can we help bridge that? Distance learning is like a lifeline during crises, but the digital divide can be a barrier. To bridge this gap, Ensuring that all students have access to the necessary technology and internet connectivity is crucial. Collaborating with internet service providers to offer discounted or subsidized plans for students in need can be a step forward. Implementing community Wi-Fi initiatives or creating technology hubs within neighborhoods can provide access to those who might face connectivity challenges at home. It's about making sure that distance learning doesn't widen the gap but becomes an inclusive opportunity for all students. What are your thoughts on strategies to bridge the digital divide in the context of distance learning? Well, I agree with you. I think this idea of providing community Wi-Fi is a good idea. Um, I've not heard of this technology hubs within neighborhoods, but that could be interesting to explore if uh, possible. I think you've hit upon the only answers really that uh, that I can think of as well. So thank you. Now, three more challenges left. The next one is increasing competition with the rise of online courses and alternative educational institutions. Many traditional schools are facing increased competition. What can the schools do to overcome that challenge? Facing the competition head-on is like preparing for a friendly duel. Traditional schools can focus on highlighting their unique strengths, whether it's a strong sense of community, dedicated teachers, or specialized programs. Embracing technology and incorporating blended learning approaches can make education more dynamic and appealing. Additionally, Involving the local community, showcasing success stories of alumni, and building strong partnerships with businesses can strengthen the school's reputation. It's about emphasizing the value and distinctiveness that traditional schools bring to the educational landscape. What are your thoughts on strategies for traditional schools to navigate increased competition from online courses and alternative institutions? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think... Um... I don't really have any other suggestions to what you've said there, but it's one that uh, is becoming more and more problematic for a lot of schools. Related to that is funding concerns. There is never enough funding for education and state funding for education has been subject to large cuts. Is there any way of overcoming that challenge? And if so, what do you suggest? Funding concerns are like the storm clouds that schools must weather. Advocating for increased public awareness about the importance of education and the impact of funding on student outcomes can be a powerful first step. Engaging with the local community through fundraising initiatives or seeking private partnerships can supplement public funding. Collaborating with local businesses or organizations to sponsor specific programs or initiatives within the school can provide additional financial support. It's about rallying support from various stakeholders to ensure that education remains a top priority. What are your thoughts on strategies to address funding concerns in education? Um, again, this idea of partnerships is quite interesting. I like the idea of, of the public and private sector working together. 
as I said before, uh, perhaps with a focus on solving some of the problems that the private sector uh, businesses have um, with recruiting the right people with the right skills. So having programs co-funded by businesses uh, that address the skills gap, I think, is a way forward in some cases. I'm not sure it works in with a lot of other subjects, but certainly with uh, tech skills, etc. I think it's a good, good solution. The last of our challenges today is political interference. Education has been a target of political interference and it can impact the quality of education as policies that do not benefit student outcomes are enacted. What can we do to overcome this challenge, if at all? Political interference can be like navigating a maze, but there are ways to navigate the challenges. Advocacy and raising awareness about the impact of education policies on student outcomes can help shape public opinion. Engaging with policymakers, providing evidence-based research, and showcasing successful case studies can influence decision-making. Building alliances with educational experts, parents, and community leaders to collectively advocate for policies that prioritize student well-being and academic success is crucial. It's about ensuring that decisions about education are informed, collaborative, and focused on the best interests of students. What are your thoughts on strategies to address political interference in education? Well, I think I agree with you that you have to engage with policymakers and persuade them of the value of evidence evidence-based research, et cetera, and case studies, I think, as you've suggested, are definitely some ways to go forward. So thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of our 20 challenges. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, thank you for your answers, ChatGPT. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success.
So, as I mentioned earlier in the show, what I'm going to do now is to try out the modification for Google Chrome for ChatGPT that allows voice input and for ChatGPT to have a voice through text-to-speech. And I'm going to try out some of the different accents there are, and then I will play with the speed as well, so I can show how you can slow down and speed up the uh, the output that ChatGPT produces. In order to do this, I'm going to play with uh, poetry. So I think this is one of the things that ChatGPT does quite well, although, uh, as you will find out, the more that you play with this feature of ChatGPT, the more repetitive uh, it sounds. It uses the same kinds of terms and words, vocabulary, etc. But it's okay for uh, for a bit of fun. So here we go. Now, hold down the space bar or press the blue button that allows me to give ChatGPT input through voice. Hello, ChatGPT. Can you write me a poem about education, please? Hello. Sure thing. Here's a poem about education just for you. In the halls of wisdom, where minds take flight, educations embrace a beacon of light. Books whisper secrets, tales to unfold. In the library of learning, stories are told. Teachers, the guides on this scholarly quest, nurturing minds, helping them manifest. In the classroom's rhythm, where knowledge flows, seeds of understanding, a garden that grows. Thank you, ChatGPT. I'm now going to change the accent. Now, you have a feature when you select an accent to change the voice within that accent. So the standard Google US English was the one that you just heard. There are three other types of accent, Microsoft Zira, Microsoft Mark, and Microsoft David, when it comes to uh, choosing English from the United States. I want to choose Microsoft Mark, see what that sounds like. I think I have to refresh the browser every time I change the voice, which is understandable. ChatGPT, can you write me a poem about teaching? Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> Why didn't it work? I've selected it. Um, let's try it again. ChatGPT, can you write me another poem about teaching? No, the voice is not working. Let me refresh the browser again. Interesting. And let me see if it's that voice that is not available. Let's go back to the English UK. So English UK voice, um, the standard one is a UK English male. And let's uh, try that out. ChatGPT, can you write me a poem about education, please? Certainly. Here's another one for you. In the realm of wisdom, where minds take flight, education's dance, a beacon of light. Pages turning, like seasons unfold. In the library of learning, stories told. Teachers, the architects of minds untold, crafting futures in the classrooms hold. Lessons written in chalk and heart, a masterpiece of knowledge, a work of art. From A to Z, the alphabets rhyme, in the rhythm of learning, transcending time. Equations and theories, a mathematical tune, in the symphony of education, minds commune. Thank you, ChatGPT. Now I'm going to go back and select 
the English, well, the English female, Google English female is what you heard earlier in the show. We've got Microsoft Susan, Microsoft Hazel, Microsoft George. Let's select Microsoft George, English United Kingdom, and see if that works. I'm going to refresh the browser again, and let's do another poem. ChatGPT, can you write me a poem about educational systems around the world? Certainly. Here's a poem exploring the diverse landscape of educational systems around the world in the tapestry of learning. Global and vast, educational systems, a symphony so vast, from east to west, and north to south, a world of scholars, with diverse math, in the bustling classrooms of the east, harmony in discipline, a scholarly feast, from ancient scrolls to modern thought, traditions woven, wisdom sought. Okay, thank you very much, ChatGPT. Refreshing the browser again. I'm now going to select one of the other accents. Now, I think you've got, you have a range of different languages available too. The name of the language is listed and written in the script of the language. So I don't recognize all of them, but I think Chinese and Japanese are definitely there. Then you have Bahasa Indonesia, Deutsch, Espanol from Spain, Espanol from Mexico, Francais, Italiano, Netherlands, Polsky, Portuguese. And it looks like there's Russian there as well. So I'm going to choose Spanish. And let's have a listen to the difference between Spanish from Spain and Spanish from Mexico. I'm also just going to keep the same language. So I'm going to actually use the accent, but not change languages. ChatGPT, can you write me a poem about the educational system in Spain, please? Absolutely. Eres ano de tu the education system in Spain, in the land of flamenco, under Iberian sun, education blooms, a journey begun. From Madrid's heart to Catalonia's pride, in Spain's embrace, knowledge resides. Venid de siestas yentel sade, students gater, in wisdomes cascade. In the dance of languages, diverse and rich, learning unfolds in every stitch. So, what do we have here? We have a very strong Spanish accent speaking English. So that's kind of interesting, but it's obviously not what it's meant to be. It's not what it's meant to be used for. So the input should be in Spanish. And so you get a much different output if you ask ChatGPT to speak Spanish, of course. So that's what I'll do. ChatGPT, puedes hacer un poema en español sobre la, el sistema de educación en España? Claro que sí. Aquí tienes un poema sobre el sistema de educación en España. Bajo el sol de España, en la tierra del arte, la educación florece, una obra de parte. Desde Madrid hasta Cataluña en su esplendor, en el abrazo de España, el saber es amor. Bajo la sombra de la siesta, en la tarde tranquila, estudiantes se reúnen, la mente se desliza. En el baile de idiomas, diversos y sabrosos, aprendizaje florece, como ríos hermosos. Muchas gracias, ChatGPT. I'm now going to refresh and compare that accent speaking Spanish from Spain with the accent speaking Spanish from Mexico. And again, I'll ask for the output using Spanish. Oh, actually, I can ask the output in Spanish, but using English, which is another thing you might want to do if you're learning a language. So here we go. ChatGPT, can you write a poem in Spanish about the educational system in Mexico? Claro, con gusto. Aquí tienes una descripción directa sobre el sistema de educación en México. En México, 
la educación es un crisol, donde culturas se entrelazan, un faro de sol, desde la niñez hasta la universidad, un viaje de aprendizaje, una realidad, con aulas que cuentan historias ancestrales, las lenguas florecen como ríos banales, en la sombra de antiguas pirámides, la educación crece, como ramas líquidas. Muchas gracias, ChatGPT. And as you can see, a lot of the voices are still quite tinny. Um, so they're not state-of-the-art voices that you find in some of the uh, AI text-to-speech um, apps that you can pay for now. You can get very good voices with those and even some of the free voices. So it's still got a lot, one long way to go. Some of the voices are okay, though, but it's still a very useful feature, particularly if you want to learn a language and you um, want to try using ChatGPT to help you with that. I think it's quite an interesting thing. Now, one of the things, as I mentioned earlier in the show, that ChatGPT allows you to do is to change the read aloud speed, and you can really slow it down to absolutely nothing or speed it up to three times normal speech. So I'm going to play with that with another poem. So here goes. ChatGPT, can you write a poem about teachers and teaching all over the world, please? Certainly. Here's a global ode to teachers and teaching. In classrooms across the world, where dreams ignite, teachers stand as beacons, in the soft glow of light. From ancient traditions to modern day law, in the universal symphony of teaching, they explore. In the bustling streets of Tokyo or New York's hum, teachers guide, like the steady beat of a drum. In the dance of languages, diverse and rich, they sculpt minds in the classroom's niche. From the savannah's edge to the Arctic's chill, teachers plant seeds with passion and skill. In the vast tapestry of cultures they weave, in the hearts of students, ideas cleave. In the spice Scented pair of an Indian bazaar, teachers kindle curiosity, like a shining star. Now speeding it up. In the African sun, under vibrant skies, they inspire young minds to reach new highs. From European corridors to Pacific shores, teachers unlock knowledge, open doors. In the Amazon's embrace to the Alps so grand, they shape futures with a nurturing hand. Two times normal speed, it becomes impossible to Okay, so that's an example of this voice add-on for Google Chrome for ChatGPT, which I think lends itself to exploring more, especially if you're learning a language, but perhaps you can think of other reasons for using it as well. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? 
Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. And welcome back. I hope you found that useful, interesting. And I was going to open things up for questions from the people listening live uh, today, uh, because I thought it'd be interesting to actually talk to people about their own use of, uh, to teachers about their own use of ChatGPT, etc., and whether they found this useful. But um, unfortunately, there isn't anyone in the studio at the moment. Um, which is a shame because we have had a number of people join us uh, over the course of the last hour or so, um, including Lisa and Paul. And we I had a long chat with Zainab. Hi, Zainab. Um, I'm sorry you had to go about AI and in particular about AI art tools because she's a, a graphic designer and a student interested in technology. Um, from Iran. And um, who else did we have join us? Well, we had uh, Osei, uh, Lady May, SHS, Igisip, Hadi, and the last one was Angel Bear. But unfortunately, despite me trying to get them to uh, to participate, they've all come and gone, which is a shame. And a number, number of other uh, people who were, uh, who were there. Sorry if I didn't if I missed your name. So I think uh, given that um, I basically was hoping for for some listeners to drop in to talk to and that hasn't worked out, I think I'm just going to finish a little bit early, um, a little bit earlier than expected. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you found that uh, interesting, as I said before. I think it's just dazzling it's so amazing just how much things are changing on a weekly basis there are so many new tools coming out now and ways of doing things and the existing tools such as ChatGPT, are constantly improving getting better the text-to-speech as i think you'll appreciate is getting much better as well and enabling us to do lots more things. I've been recently at a couple of conferences, Mextisol and the Anupi conference in Mexico, where a large number of presenters were talking about uh, ways of using chat, GPT and other AI tools in the classroom and being able to um, use it to save time if you're a teacher as well. Lots of really interesting um, presentations. I have to say a couple of other presentations that were given by people who 
really didn't know what they were talking about. I think such is the appeal for these sessions now, the AI sessions at both of the conferences were very well attended, that the temptation for people who don't know a lot about this, who've maybe just played around a couple of times with ChatGPT, and I'm not kidding there, to actually go and speak at a conference is such because they think they can get large audiences, and sometimes they do. And that was definitely the case. I won't say who it was, but the first conference presentation I went to uh, on AI recently is the person was coming out with all sorts of statements about the history of AI and what AI was and what it wasn't and about these tools that were really quite um, false and also the suggestions about what teachers could do with them were not very Let's say they weren't very based on her practice, basically. So that was rather embarrassing, I thought. And I could have done without attending that uh, session. But some of the other presentations, however, I went to an excellent presentation that followed that, that very, very neatly summed up what these tools, uh, what AI, generative AI, what can be expected from them, what they are, what they're not. And they also, the two presenters were quite a double act. They used humor. They were very funny. And as well as giving an overview of artificial intelligence that made sense and was just enough for teachers to understand um, without going into too much technical detail, because really, I mean, if you're a working teacher, you're not that interested about uh a lot of the technicalities you want to know basically how to use it or what to be aware of um, or um, you know how students are going to use it and how you can maybe detect students use of it or uh, avoid that students can use it for assessments etc and this was the case this presentation it was very good and the presenters also finished with about four or five really practical ways of using um, things like ChatGPT in the classroom, which I thought was very useful as well. I also attended a panel discussion where I think, um, unfortunately, it, was, um, it wasn't that good, to be honest, because one of the presenters went into a great detail about artificial intelligence, what it is, and what large language models are, etc., which, although is of interest to anyone who is technically minded who may not be aware of of it although i think who if you're technically minded who hasn't looked this up and read about it and then a lot of the other sort of panelists were talking about things that were either pretty obvious to anyone who has used these tools or would be would go over the head of the people who hadn't used the tools so i don't think that was a very valuable uh, session but anyway i think in to sum up i think what is definitely happening is that uh seeing more and more interest in uh generative ai in education for teachers of all kinds and but in particular for language uh teaching i think there's such a potential 
um, a lot more potential for language teaching than for subject teaching, because for subject teaching, I think a lot use of these tools, particular things like uh, ChatGPT, because they ChatGPT can hallucinate and come up with answers that may not be correct. They have to be used with a lot of caution, I think. And if you're going to be using them for lesson planning or for providing text for subject teaching, I think, um, or anything that pertains that uh, you think may well be factual in, uh, then I think you need to really spend time checking it. And I wonder whether some of the teachers who are generating these texts or lesson plans are actually doing enough of that checking. So not that valuable, perhaps, but we shall see. I think it, this is going to continue. Things are only going to get um, more and more, um, well, going to get better, I think, as far as the way that these tools um, are functioning. The other thing is that the debate between those who are for the use of these tools and those who are very strictly against them is really heating up with Chomsky um, writing an article which has been spread about all over social media and him calling it uh, basically a plagiarism tool. I disagree. I don't think it's plagiarism. I think it's something else. So if you are using, if a student is using this to write an answer to something that a teacher has um, put as a question, then it is definitely academic dishonesty. If it's not, if, if you use something like this and you don't, um, you're not upfront about it, but I don't think it's plagiarism. Plagiarism is something else. So I think we need another term for it. We can't start using the term plagiarism because I think plagiarism already has a very specific meaning and this isn't plagiarism. So I would rather not use that term for it. So I disagree with what Chomsky said. You know, although the sentiment about it being academically dishonest if you use this and don't uh, declare it, it is true. But then if students are using this type of tool to um, produce texts for assessments that are set by teachers, etc., then I really strongly think, and I have said so in a whole Teachers Talk radio show dedicated to this program, to this subject, that perhaps what needs to change is what we're assessing students on, not um, we, we can't just try and ban it or try to prevent students from using it by setting exams by hand, etc. I really feel strongly about that. I think that's a step backwards, especially as these tools are so much a part of the world that we live in now and are going to be more and more a part of the world that we live in. Already, people I know, friends that I know, are using them uh, for work. They're tools that can save you time. They're part of what people do. So if that is happening in the world of work, then education needs to change to accept that, that people are going to be using these, that the students that we are teaching now are going to go out of school, join the real world, and be asked and expected to use these. And if we're not helping them use them critically and well, then we're doing a disservice to the students that we teach, I think. 
Anyway, rant over. I'm going to wind things up now. Uh, just three minutes before I was due to end. Uh, last chance for anyone who is around. I saw a couple of more people pop in, and unfortunately they popped out of the live studio. I will, just before I end, just mention an article I came across today on The Atlantic, which I found was really interesting. That was by an English teacher. Let me just pull that up. The Atlantic magazine, I find, consistently has some very good reflective articles about uh, lots of things, but including AI in particular. They have a whole section on it now because of the interest in it. And what I found really useful is some of the perspectives. They tend to um, not be putting forward one particular line. So this was a, an article by Daniel Herman, who was a high school English teacher in the US. And it's a very honest article about he, the way that he has changed his teaching and assessment of his high school students because of the emergence of ChatGPT. And it was called High School English Needed a Makeover Before ChatGPT. I used to make my students write essay after essay and there was a better way. Now, Daniel was talks in the article about assigning Moby Dick and then asking the students to write 10-page research articles um, about it. Uh, he uses an example of a, one particular student he has who tried to think about parallels between um, whaling and global capitalism and spent weeks researching etc and then um checked chat gpt right at the end and was very disappointed that the weeks that he'd spent uh researching this article chat gpt was able to sort of put forward similar parallels in about 10 seconds that was a bit of an aha moment about things are really changing that this is a, a sea change and daniel talks about so much of his teaching oriented around helping students to learn how to write formal polished prose and now with the emergence of ChatGPT and other tools like it the fact that these machines uh, can accomplish tasks in seconds he has decided that perhaps a disservice. What is the point, he says, of asking students to write these uh, essays anymore? Now, I could think of some arguments of why. I think writing isn't just about the finished product or, finish, or, or even about um, the process. It's more about the process than the finished product. I think definitely the benefit of writing can help you formalize your thinking and help you structure your thinking and thoughts so i do think there is a, a value of it but daniel definitely says that he's changed his um, class to take away the writing the essays writing part of it and he started um teaching more reading so in other words he's process he's concentrating more on the reading part of his english class when it comes to these texts like Moby Dick, rather than the writing. And when it comes to assessing the students, he said he's focusing on extemporaneous writing in the classroom. So he asks instead of eight to 10 page papers, 
the students, he asks the students to respond to prompts in the Spiral Notebook, and then to turn that into something they can submit and we'll grade them on their thoughts, but it's nothing to do with the kind of essay writing skills that he focused upon in class beforehand, which I think is quite an interesting example of how somebody's whole teaching approach has changed because of the emergence of this tool. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Anyway, I've run out of time, so I am going to say goodbye to you all. Many thanks to today's guest, ChatGPT, and the voice-modifying Chrome application that allowed ChatGPT to talk to me and to understand me. And thank you to all of you who have joined us live today. Thank you if you're listening back. You've made it to the end, um, and uh, I do appreciate uh, people listening to this, and I hope it's been interesting and useful. And hello, Chris. I was wondering where you were today. Glad you uh, glad you made it along. I haven't had a show for a while, so thank you for coming. And that's it from me. Um, there are Teachers Talk radio shows all week on all manner of interesting topics, so please listen in live or to the recordings. And I will be back next week with two guests, I'm hoping. Um, and we'll be talking about explicit writing instruction and why that is important, why they think it's important. Until then, it's bye for me. Goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.